This is Self Work, and I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. At Self Work, we'll discuss psychological and emotional issues common in today's world and what to do about them. I'm Dr. Margaret, and Self Work is a podcast dedicated to you taking just a few minutes today for your own self work. Hi, and welcome or welcome back to Self Work. I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford, and I'm so glad you're here. I have a guest host today who I'm about to introduce you to, but first, let's hear from one of our proud sponsors. What better time than now to decide that you're going to do something for yourself in 2023 that will only add to your sense of well-being, where you can begin every single day with an act of true self-care, not a bubble bath, not even a therapy session. But by drinking one glass full of 75 high-quality minerals, vitamins, probiotics, adaptogens, and whole food source superfoods, which support everything from your gut to your immune system to your energy level. I use it every day and love this habit because if you're like me, self-care can get lost in a day full of kids, work, meals, and whatever else comes along. AG1 knows that people who listen to self-work are seeking to make their lives better. So Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five travel packs with your first purchase. Become your own green machine in the first hour you're up and around. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash self-work. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash self-work to take ownership of your health in 2023 and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Can you believe 2022 is coming to a close and 2023 is on its way? So Happy New Year to all. So today's self-work episode turns the tables on me as I'm being interviewed by Lewis Howes on his incredibly successful podcast, School of Greatness. I listen almost every week to his interviews when I'm out walking and learn so much from them. And since I was honored to be on the School of Greatness, and if you want to listen to that story, you can listen to last week's episode, I know what it feels like to talk with Lewis. He's one of those people that can make you feel as if you're the most interesting person he's ever talked to. You know those kinds of people? He's very approachable, and even with all of his success, responded to my asking for him to be a guest host this month with a, let me see what my team can come up with. Just to let you know, he's a New York Times bestselling author. He's a two-times All-American athlete, keynote speaker, and entrepreneur. He's a busy guy. What you're about to hear is the second half of my interview with him as we continue to talk about what therapy's all about and other issues that are common in mental health. His last question is one he asks every guest. Of course, I'd listened to his other interviews, but I was still unprepared for this. What are the three things that you'd want others to remember about you or what you've learned in life? I wonder how you'd answer that. For me, that one was tough. But before we go on, let's hear from one more of our wonderful sponsors. Twenty twenty two is ending, which was a hard year for many, as they're trying to heal from the impact of the pandemic. And now we're welcoming 2023 with more people than ever needing help with anxiety and depression. The most common problem I hear from those seeking therapy is how hard it is to find a therapist. BetterHelp solves those problems. After you make the first contact, their standard is to offer names of therapists to you in less than two days. And you can talk to them in a first session to see if it's a good fit. If so, you're on your way. But if not, rather than going through an awkward call or email, 
You simply let BetterHelp know and they'll ask what it was you didn't like and find someone else for you. You can text, chat, or talk virtually. All of those avenues are open to you. I'm a therapist because I got good therapy. I know how much of a difference it can make. I reached out, and so can you. Here's BetterHelp's offer for self-work listeners. 10% off your first month of sessions if you use this link, betterhelp.com slash self-work. There's never a better time than today to reach out and get help. Betterhelp.com slash self-work. So as we round out 2022, and again, Happy New Year to you, here's Lewis Howes interviewing Dr. Margaret Rutherford. How do we start to overcome depression? If we feel like it's building in us, we don't know if we have it or not, but we feel like something's off. How do we recognize we have depression, and how do we... If you're a perfectionist? Yeah, if you're a perfectionist, or if you just are depressed. How do we treat it? How do we realize we have it? How do we diagnose it? And then how do we start to treat depression if we're depressed or or, or if we're a perfectionist who's constantly striving for more? Well, the best best answer I can think of is that depression is on a spectrum. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. a lot of times... If you have been chronically depressed for a long time, I mean, if these lights in this room slowly went down, slowly, 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 and you didn't realize you were squinting to see, people who've been depressed a long time in a mild or moderate form don't don't realize until the lights are so hard, Mm -hmm. you know, you're squinting so hard that you kind of, something's wrong. Mm -hmm. And so... Their awareness is usually because they finally reach a critical mass or a critical point where they go, yeah, I've got to admit something's wrong. More major depression, there's no way to hide it from yourself. Mm -hmm. I mean, or I guess there is. You can't get out of bed for weeks. You can't get out of bed. You're you're not going to work. You're not finishing assignments. You don't see friends. You you have thoughts of hurting yourself. You are crying all the time. You have no feeling at all. You don't want to do anything that you've done before. I mean, those are, those are symptoms of classic depression. And other people are saying, you've got to get help. You've got to get help. You're not yourself. So that's not a good kind of depression right. to have, right. <laughs> but it's, it's more clear sure, that something sure. is terribly wrong. What would be uh, a few steps getting started, whether you have deep depression or mild depression, in terms of seeing some relief, treating it, and improving that depression? Well, there are, you know, my particular feelings about that is that usually there's something situational. You you have to look at a genetic component. Mm -hmm. You have to look at, is there sort of a spiritual component? Is there a biological? I mean, if you are drinking 10 beers a night, you know, there may be, you know, you got to look at that behavior. So you have to look at family, individual issues. You have to look at all kinds of different things. And some people do use medication to help them feel better and to help them give them some fresh mental energy. Some people really don't want to use medication. As far as what you can do, exercise is huge. Mm -hmm. So where you are on the spectrum, 
and and the closer you get to true danger, the closer you get to losing your job, or the closer you get to having suicidal thoughts, or the closer mm-hmm. you get to your marriage ending in a divorce, or you're losing a relationship, yeah. those typically are are motivators for people to say, I can't let this go on. I've got to look at this myself. A lot of times people grew up in families, like I said a few minutes ago, that they were taught that, especially in the flyover states, as I like to call it in the Midwest, that they were taught that it, mental illness is just a, it's a myth. Mm. And so it's people in those states and those cultures and those regions really have to begin to be more conscious that it is a problem. Right. So it, it, the treatment for it is very reflective of where you are in the illness. Mm-hmm. The thing we haven't talked about is recurrent depression, which literally comes in sort of waves, and you don't have as much control over when it happens. You can be triggered, and so that that work is uh, involved. You know, definitely looking at your triggers. Yeah. Is it weather? Is it stress? Is it not getting enough rest? Is it you know a relationship you're in? Is it what is it that is beginning to? So it's kind of it's a it's a journey it's a discovery yeah. you know with everybody it's not about a quick fix quick answer no and there's not like I can't get out a worksheet and say well now you do this right now we also have different therapists have different techniques yeah. that they like you know cognitive behavioral emotionally focused um, acceptance commitment therapy mm-hmm. I mean all these kinds of different therapies that are you know have been proved to really help but I go back to the fact that. The meta the meta analyses <laughs> show that the, it's really the if you believe that the therapist understands you if you believe that whatever technique they're using that they know how to use it mm-hmm. and they use it consistently sure. and that they are helping you make those changes then that you want to make then I think the therapy goes much better and is much more of a a place where that change can occur. Yeah, when you trust the person who's got experience with it and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. There's lots of strategies to change anything in your life and to switch a belief and to heal and to forgive and let go of all these things. I've tried lots of them. Workshops, therapy. Yeah. Uh, screaming in the ocean, you know, like whatever it is. Like I'm just working I have people throw to, glass. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just like the different techniques, the strategies. There's sure. so many things you can do to try and I think it's, Helpful for people to try lots of different things and don't stop trying until you start to feel a sense of inner peace. I worked with a woman who had major recurrent depression. She had a father who um, died by suicide years before, and she struggled with the same kind of depression. And she fought me and fought me and fought me about, I said, you need to exercise. She tried medicine. She Mm -hmm. tried therapy. She tried going to groups, like you said. She tried all kinds of things. She changed her relationships. She did all this stuff. Once she started swimming, she walked in one day. I said, what's changed? (laughs) She said, I'm I'm swimming. And so, you know, she found a haven in getting that kind of repetitive, Mm -hmm. you know, and also it helped her self-esteem because she had some body image issues. So Mm -hmm. um, I wish, Lewis, that it was as easy to have some sort of checklist of if you do this and this and this Mm -hmm. and this, you'll feel better. It's, It's a little more complex than that. So... That's why I think you have to spend time with somebody and try to understand mm-hmm. how they look at it and yeah. can you add to their perspective. A holistic approach to yeah, relief. What would you say are three to five things that every human can do 
to arm themselves from being susceptible to mental illness, depression, anxiety attacks, a lack of self-worth, those type of things that tend to hurt us and hold us back. What are some strategies that can be very simple and basic? It's just like work out every day or eat clean, get eight hours of sleep. You know, what are the things that you really recommend that you've seen work well for people when they start implementing this? Like she just had to swim and she was better. What are three to five things we could all do to improve that for ourselves? You know, a young man comes to mind that had actually come to therapy because of his, he had lost his best friend. His best friend had uh, been killed in a car accident. And he had a lot of grieving to do. And and we did that work. Mm. And then he came back in, um, which often happens in therapy, and was ready to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And sure enough, he was drinking a lot. Mm-hmm. And as we looked at, there were some family issues. He'd been in a family where um, his, one of his siblings had almost died. And so because of that, his parents had focused much more on that sibling than they did him. And he really felt invisible. Mm-hmm. And so then his friend died. And so he was carrying around that sense of I'm not important and I don't know how to heal that. And so basically what I had him do was talk to his family, talk to his parents about it. It was very hard for him. Tell him how he felt. Exactly. And so when you asked me the question, the first word that came to my mind was engagement, connection with other people. You um, mean isolating yourself? That's not quite a good the, idea. It's a way to heal? No, nah, nah, okay. it doesn't work. So connection. And in fact, therapy, when you think about it, the whole gist of therapy is for you to create a change in someone, help them create it, that they then take outside of the therapy environment and mm-hmm. begin to implement, yeah. implement in their yeah. own lives. And so they're open with me. Well, gosh, you can go be open with Joe Blow or your whatever, mom or your, your mom. Or, or, yeah. And so so it's engagement. Okay. I think that... Engagement for connection, communication, connection. Connecting with people, sharing how you feel. Yeah. And that connection, yeah. There's no way that exercise or or having a good relationship with your body and with sleep and all that kind of thing is important. So mm-hmm. you've got to do that. Yeah. Um, so other-oriented, self-oriented, and then the third thing I would say, people reach their spiritualness in lots of different ways. For some people, it's faith. Mm-hmm. For some people, it's just a sense of how they find their well-being, whether that's through laughter whether that's through um, hobbies or activities they enjoy. Um, maybe their work is very purposeful for mm-hmm. them, but a sense of purpose, a mm-hmm. sense of knowing why you're doing what you're doing and why, what, is, what is important, how are you unique, and beginning to understand and value that. You know, when you mentioned self-esteem, a lot of times when people struggle with self-esteem, it's because... They don't know their competencies. I can't hand you a piece of paper and you'd say, you put Lewis on the top and I ask you, okay, so what are your... What are my skills? What am I good at? What are your competencies? What do you do well? There are a lot of people that can't write anything on that piece of paper. So, and you can, it can be simple things. And so, engagement, taking care of yourself, purpose, acceptance. Mm. Self-acceptance, I think, no matter what issues you have, um, is is a huge key. And it's different from self-esteem because self-esteem is something that you, 
that you find or you discover. Self-acceptance is more, it's not resignation. It is accepting both your strengths, the things that you have esteem about, mm-hmm. the things that you value, but also these vulnerabilities. Mm. And when you can accept those things, whether it be sometimes I struggle with depression, sometimes I get anxious, sometimes I, I get jealous, sometimes I'm impatient, sometimes mm-hmm. I get way too angry than I'm supposed to. You don't resign yourself to that and go, well, you know, that's just me. You say, all right, I can accept that, and then I can move toward change. Mm-hmm. Again, that whole discussion, discussion we had on shame, which is if I can accept it and I don't shame myself for it, then I can move ahead mm-hmm. and say, so what I want to do with it. Create a new commitment for myself. When I moved to Fable, yeah. Arkansas from Dallas, Texas, I told my therapist at the time, there is no way that I'm going to tell anybody in a small town in Arkansas that I have been divorced twice. Mm. I will get railroaded out of town. <laughs> what is she doing? You know, why is she helping people? She can't help couples. She, you know, she can't she, help herself. She can't help myself. Now, I have been married almost 30 years now. But, yeah. but all that said, and he just kind of smiled and looked at me, you know. And I was obviously not in self-acceptance. Mm. And then when someone was across from me, I remember who it was. Well, obviously, I'm not going to say And she was getting her second divorce, and she looked at me, and she said, but obviously that's not something you know anything about. And I, like that, just made the decision. I looked at her, and I said, you're about to join a club that I've been a member of for a long time. Wow. And I felt this, what did I just do? You never told any of your (laughs) clients. No. No. Wow. That's the level of shame I had, the level of you know, I was not in a self-accepting place. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I began to just breathe through that, and think, well, you know, so she you may had, walk out of the room. You, may, you had your own therapy session. Right? I did. I, it was more about me than you. Would You're you like sharing. to sit here and I'll sit there? Which I hope she didn't realize. But I gave a huge gift to myself because mm-hmm. it was at that point, and it was a, a journey, but it was at that point that that journey began of, I have to accept this. I don't like it. I'm not proud of it. I have remorse about it. But I can accept it and then make damn sure that I don't make those same mistakes again in the relationships that I'm in now. How do we accept something about our past if we're ashamed of it and we know it was wrong or we are just frustrated we did it or not proud of it? Like Like you said, like how do you come to accept it? My answer to that would be because you have to also accept or you can accept that that doesn't define you any more than your competencies do. Mm. The fact that I have a PhD after my name is lovely. It is a means to an end. I get to help people, and I'm getting I'm given a license, and I get to sit in front of people just like you and I are talking, and I get to hear and try to help. But that can but, be taken away. But the fact that I was divorced twice mm-hmm. or that I struggle sometimes in my own marriage, we all do, doesn't define me any more than those three letters. Mm-hmm. And so... That's sort of just sitting with that and, okay, you know, it doesn't. Now, will it matter to other people? Yeah, it might. I can't control that. Sure. But what I can have control over is whether I accept it in myself. That's four. I'm trying to think about fifth. I'm probably leaving out some glaring thing <laughs> that, you know, people listening are going to go, well, how did you say this? I think four is good. Yeah. 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 What are the things that most of us learned from childhood 
that typically hold us back from adulthood that we are hard for us to let go of? We absorb, sometimes through modeling, sometimes our parents model things for us that they never tell us, Mm -hmm. but they just model it. And we absorb that that as reality. That's what life is like. That's what marriage is like. That's what being a man is like. Mm -hmm. That's what being a Baptist is like. That's what being a woman is like. Uh, I'm going to get the definitions. And if those are erroneous or if they are destructive, then that's what you've absorbed. Hmm. And so you'll go on and live that out again without being very aware. Unconscious of it. Unconscious. So how do we become conscious of these patterns or beliefs we've been mirroring our whole life mm-hmm. when we think it's uh, that's the way it's supposed to be or we think it's the truth or we think this is the right way how do we become conscious besides a tragic accident a death in the family yeah. a breakup or divorce it seems like there has to be some big breakdown in our sometimes lives there does. a near-death near experience for yourself a car crash for you to wake up yeah. and become conscious and, and evaluate everything <laughs> How do we get to that place without nearly dying? Yeah. Or, you know, going through divorce? Yeah. yeah. Is it possible? <laughs> I remember a night that I had an old player piano. It had been a player piano, and it, was, it had been modified to be a regular piano. But it had this huge shelf with the keys, and so here was this big thing, mm-hmm. and then this, these keys. And, but I could sit under it. And I remember after my second divorce, I was sitting in there and just bawling, thinking, what's going on with my life? And then all of a sudden I thought, all right, you're the thread. This is, you know, it's, you're the common denominator. I'm the common denominator, and I need to start looking at either how I'm choosing or what mm-hmm. I'm looking for or how I'm acting or whatever. And I have to look at that. And yeah, it was a damn hard way to find out about it. I hope that things don't have to be that way for people. But just yeah. like AA says, sometimes you have to reach your bottom. That's so true. But the other way is to begin to question. There's a wonderful study that Dove did when they started many years ago now doing these commercials about Mom, true beauty and moms you know, and yeah. stuff, yeah. And they did it over in Great Britain, and it was a study that they took mothers and daughters, mm-hmm. and the mothers were asked what they hated about their bodies, and they said, Oh, I hate my knees, I hate my nose, I hate my ears, whatever it happens to be. Yeah. But I would never say that to my daughter. I don't ever say that to her. I tell her how beautiful she is, how you know, how she's achieved so much, and blah, blah, blah. Well, at the same time, they were asking the daughters to, to write what they didn't like about their bodies. And, you know, maybe it's already evident. It was a mirror. When the daughters read to, to their mothers, it was, an, it was significantly the same. Mm-hmm. And you moms are probably to, in tears. And yeah, you don't have to say it. say it for it to be absorbed by your child. And I'm sure that's true for men. I know it's true for men. So I think you have to become aware if you are, if you want to be an aware human being, and some people don't. So the answer is to say, you know, let me question why I do what I do. Mm. What rules am I following that I don't, do I really want, do I need to follow this rule? Do I, I mean, (laughs) people have said to me, your parents would be so proud of you for writing this book. And I look at them and then say, my dad would be proud, but my mother is turning over in her grave. Because one of the things I absorb from her is you don't share your, your truth, your vulnerabilities. Yeah. No, 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 no. And so, 
Anyway, I think that you, you know, was I aware of that growing up, that I had that, I was living by that rule? No. Did it affect my life? Yes. Was it one of the reasons I uh, developed panic disorder? Yes. Mm-hmm. So not blaming her, but just acknowledging sure. that impact on me. So I think that when you want to be aware, and that's a choice, when you want to be aware, then questioning yourself, asking yourself, why do I do what I do? And why do I believe what I believe? Mm-hmm. And then finding answers to that. So. Yeah, before the breakdowns. Yeah, but it would be nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are you a parent? Yes. What is a few things that every parent, if they could control this and give this to their kid or their kids growing up, what are a few things that they could give them that would set them up for the potential best life they could have? You're obviously not a parent, are you? Not yet. <laughs> I got research. I got research from wise people. Oh, like if you gosh. could wave, like wave I knew a the magic to that wand question. and say like, <laughs> you know, it's never talking bad. It's, uh, I don't know, modeling something that's positive. Like what are three things that parents, if they could give to their kids, they should try to do? Obviously, you're never going to be perfect, but what could they try to instill in their kids? So they have, you know, powerful, thoughtful leaders in their own life. Sure, sure. I can't remember the name of the man right now, but he spoke at a graduation in an uppity-up school. I can't remember what it was, mm-hmm. one, of the, one of the best and brightest. And he said the thing he regretted most in his life was not being kind. And I think that if you're kind to yourself and you're kind to other people, that if you instill a sense of kindness in your children, that that is a huge Mm. factor. They'll be able to make friends. Yeah. So... I always want to throw a pillow at the television when somebody tragically, that's not why I want to throw a pillow, but when a, a teenager or a young person dies by suicide or struggles, they, they trot out the usual signs of depression. And one, of course, in my own research, that's not the only thing, but that's not what, what's really important. What they don't say, they say what to look for in your child. What they don't mm. say is what to look for in yourself. The parents? Or? The parents. Meaning, are you talking about, sometimes I get really sad. Sometimes I get mm. so angry I don't know what to do with it. Sometimes I'm haunted by something in the past. Sometimes it's hard to forgive myself. How vulnerable are you being with your children where you're modeling? We talked about that absorption stuff. Where you're modeling, mm. it's okay to talk about it. I'm not going to say what it was, but my, my son made a mistake in college, and he called me. He knew I had made similar mistakes. <laughs> and he called me, and at first I had the mom response, which was, oh, you know, and then he goes, Mom, I called you because you've talked about it. And I went, oh, yeah. And so I was able to get out of that mom response and just be there for him because yeah. he was calling me because he could be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I, I loved that moment. I mean, I'm sure there are others that are not quite that great. But anyway, so I would ask parents to, if you want your child to talk to you about being depressed, then open up to them about not some of your secrets necessarily, but about who you are and how you've learned to function and how you've learned to handle disappointment. 
maybe you were bullied and how you mm. learned to handle that. Just talk to them about real stuff, not what they made on some test yeah. and not, you know, this stuff that we can get really bogged down by. Yeah. That's a question I ask uh, a lot of people towards the end. It's called the three truths. Okay. So I'm curious your thoughts. I on should this. have listened to more podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> so I want you to imagine it's your last day on earth many years from now. Okay. You get to live as long as you want to live and you get to achieve everything you want. Your book reaches millions of people. You're helping more people. You're doing your, your, your clinical work. You're doing whatever you want. Okay. And for whatever reason, you've got to take everything you've created with you when you go, when you leave this world, right? So you've got to take... A million books? I have to take a million books? You've got to take all your work with you. (laughs) All your written work, all your audio, podcast, everything you've ever done. It's got to go with you to the next world, wherever you go. But you get to leave behind a message, three things that you know to be true from your whole life experience that you would share with everyone. And this is all we have to remember you by are these three... Lessons that you would share with people or three truths, what I like to call What would you say are your three truths? I would say first that it's important to find what is bigger than you. Mm-hmm. That in your own life that you feel gives your life purpose. Mm-hmm. And that could be a lot of things. Everything from the sublime to the ridiculous, but it just that gives you a sense of something bigger than you. Yeah. I would say that there is no shame in struggle. Mm. And in fact, if you don't struggle, that you, you learn more from struggling than you do, or even failing, than you do from success. And I only get three. Huh? Mm. Uh, I would say that. Having laughter and, again, a sense of connection with people um, is so... Because having laughter and a sense of connection with people is so important because that is how you know that whether or not all the evidence of your existence is gone. That Mm. the people who love you and who you've loved, more importantly, will always have that in their hearts and their Mm -hmm. minds. It's not your accomplishment you know, what is it that Maya, Maya Angelou said? It's it's how you treat people that they'll mm-hmm. remember, not what people you do. People won't remember what you said or did. They'll remember the way you made them feel. Exactly. And so I'm not as eloquent as Maya Angelou, but that is what I would say, that that um, that kind of internalization of your gifts to others is what's so mm-hmm. meaningful about life. Because... Mm-hmm. You know, no matter what your spiritual beliefs, and that means that those things. But accomplishment, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love those. Those are great truths. Your podcast has been really helpful for a lot of people, including me. It's called Self Work, and people can go listen to that right now. And this book is going to help a lot of people. Perfectly Hidden Depression, How to Break Free from the Perfectionism that Masks Your Depression. Who's this book for? And what's the main thing they'll get out of this? Hmm. It offers, well, let me answer the first question first. The book is for people who, when they see the term perfectly hidden depression, something in their gut goes, oh, you mean I need to listen to that? Mm. I've tried hard not to listen to it. I have discounted it. I've denied it. But when the lights are off and it's everybody's asleep but me, I know something's wrong. 
It could also help people that are very aware of what they're doing, something called high-functioning depression or smiling depression. Mm. And that's fine. And there are strategies for them as well. But really the people that I want to reach are those people that are walking around just knowing that their lives are emptier and lonelier than they want, but they can't let anybody know that that I used the term with you before the interview, they have stayed silent about secrets that they have kept or or shame they have felt or mm-hmm. confusion or whatever because they must look yeah. so successful. Yeah. That's who it's for. How does it help? That was probably 20 years of my life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have none of this actually myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been very perfectionistic in my life. Yeah. How it's going to happen, you know, when New Harbinger, who published the book, they were looking at accepting the book, and they said, well, this is great, but right now this book only describes this syndrome. It doesn't, there's no treatment. Mm -hmm. And so they said, in two weeks, we'd like you to come up with a treatment. And I just went, what? (laughs) In two weeks? But what I did is I sat down and I thought, okay, what are the steps that I do with really everybody? We've um, mentioned some of them, or we've by inferred some of them. And those steps are, and it's going to sound kind of hokey because I had to come up with something very popular, you know, the five C's of healing, because yeah, sure. woohoo, you know. Um, consciousness, commitment, confrontation, connection, and change. And what I mean by those is you have to become aware of the problem before you mm-hmm. can do anything about it. That's mm-hmm. consciousness and mindfulness and all the stuff we've been yeah. talking about. Commitment means that you have to look at the hurdles to the actual change itself. Or with a perfectionist, your perfectionism can get in the way because you have a relapse and all of a sudden you go, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. This doesn't make me feel good. So there are all kinds of specific hurdles for perfectionists, but there's hurdles for everybody. Mm -hmm. The confrontation is something about that's a very uh, CBT or cognitive behavioral kind of approach which is more about, the, again, we sort of mentioned it, it's the rules that you're following and which ones are helpful to you mm-hmm. and which ones are hurtful to you. Yeah. And there's a specific kind of guidelines. There are like 60 exercises in the book. It's more of a workbook, actually. Yeah. The fourth one is tough. The fourth one is connection with these emotions that you have been really afraid tough. to connect with. And since it's a self-help book, I mean, I say all over it, if this gets too hard, go to therapy. You find a therapist. But the technique that I use or I suggest them using is what's called a trauma timeline. Whereas you really mm. look back at all your life and you think, okay, what were the good things that happened to me when I was 2 or 12 or 22? And what were the difficult things and painful things or the secrets I've kept? Mm. The moments. The moments. And, and their impact on you. And so you can begin to mm. see this pattern that starts evolving. That's cool. You can do that. So the last one is change. And I'm a huge believer after, after gosh, after doing this for, I saw my first patient in 1988 in mm. graduate school. It's a long time. Mm-hmm. Insight is wonderful. Insight gives you context. You can look at those patterns and go, oh, wow, I didn't realize that. That's why I always have troubles with, with um, gosh, it could be anything, with selfishness. Because I, I never... I was I was never concerned. I was my parents never did anything for me that was all about me. They so I become kind of a selfish person because I'm going to get mine before anybody gets theirs. Mm-hmm. So you can look at this pattern, sure, and see it. But where you get hope 
It's from behavior change. Mm-hmm. So the change chapter is all about how you begin actually making changes in your behavior. In your, we already talked about changes in your thinking. So you do things like learn how to play. You do things like how to find your value in something other than accomplishment. You find things that you, <laughs> perfectionists have a diff- very difficult time just actually feeling their emotions. And so you, you find a piece of music that helps you do that mm-hmm. and you sit and listen to that music, whatever. Because where you get your hope is from changing your behavior. Um, and the, the strategies itself and the stages are applicable to anything, yeah. but I've yeah. just made them spe- specific great. for perfection. I love it. Thank uh, you. Make sure you guys get the book, Perfectly Hidden Depression. I, I think your podcast is great. I don't listen to many of them, uh, many podcasts out there, but I like yours, Self Work. I want to acknowledge you for for doing this work because not many people talk about this stuff. Mm-hmm. The 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 depression linked to being perfectionism. And I think that's something that a lot of people feel like they need to live up to, this perfectionist point of view with social media and all the comparison that's out there and seeing their friends have this perfect life and them feeling like they have to have a perfect life. But um, that links to a lot of anxiety, stress, overwhelm, depression, and things like that. So I think this is a powerful book for a lot of people. So I want to acknowledge you for, for writing this, for doing the work, and for allowing you to share uh, all your vulnerabilities as a therapist over the years so you can help other people with your shame, too. Sure, there are plenty of stories about me in that book. Yeah. <laughs> if I can't talk about it, then you know I can't expect other people. Exactly, exactly. So we can find you on the podcast, the book. Where else can we find you? DrMargaretRutherford.com. It has a very creative name. <laughs> Dr. Margaret my website. Okay. And um, the book is on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and Indie Books and all that kind of stuff. Okay, cool. Final question is, what's your definition of greatness? First off, putting my head on my pillow at night and thinking, I, I did something today that has made me grow. Mm-hmm has helped me grow as a person. And that's been a great day. Maybe I learned how to cry about something I haven't ever cried about. Maybe I helped a friend. Maybe I wrote a post that did well. Maybe I just simply remembered that it was the anniversary of one of my friend's spouse's deaths. Mm-hmm. And I called them. You know, when I put my head on my pillow and kind of say, all right, you know, I I feel like I've grown today or I've helped someone else grow. That to me is a great day mm-hmm. and that to me is greatness. Mm-hmm. Dr. Margaret, thank you. You're Appreciate so it. welcome. Appreciate it. Thank you for being here to listen in to these guest hosts. I'm doing well and I'm looking forward to being back with you. Enjoy the rest of 2022, and as always, thank you for being here. Take very good care of yourself, your home, your family, and those you love. I'm Dr. Margaret, and this has been Self Work.